Hey there, welcome to the Mint Measure podcast, where we cover everything related to attribution, incrementality, and marketing analytics. Here we go. Today, we're really excited to bring Alfred Van Hoven on the podcast. Alfred is the VP of Media Strategy and Client Services at Camelot Communications. Camelot works with brands like Nordstrom, Whole Foods, Hardee's, Dave & Buster. So we're really excited to talk to you, Alfred, share your expertise and learn from you today. Starting things off, we've talked to a lot of VPs of strategy and being a VP of strategy can mean a lot of different things depending on the agency. What are the main things that you oversee and how that splits between like internal agency work and then external work with clients? I think first and foremost, it's, you know, it's my job to understand the client's objectives, right? And then communicate to the team in a way that can deliver results-driven plan of action. My job is to ensure that before we place any media, we undertake a deep analysis of the customers, their business, their markets, their competitors, their KPIs, and try to correlate the macro factors and see how that impacts their customers and business. And take all that, communicate that internally to the team, make sure they have their marching orders to deliver a results-driven plan for the client. So when you think about your work, talk to us a little bit about your split of internal versus external. How much time are you spending with customers and how much time are you spending with the team? And how do you balance the team and the work that they have to do and the client demands? It's simple, right? You have different seasonality for different clients and different planning cycles. And a majority of the time is client facing and working with them to ensure that we are helping them deliver to their goals. and. Having a strong team allows you to be as succinct as possible, not have to spend too much time handholding internally. But if I had to call it any, it's anywhere from sometimes it's 50, 50, to sometimes it's 80, 20, it just depends on where the business is at, where the clients are at and just being nimble to that, to, to what the most pressing needs are at the moment. Yeah. It looks like you've been leading teams at Camelot for almost the last decade. What are the best practices or tricks of the trade in leading, directing, managing agency teams? As you mentioned, I've been there 10 years now. And but one of the things that drove me there was the desire to get smarter and be around smart people. And one of the things that's kept me there and I try to hold myself to this every year is, do I feel like I'm still learning in this environment? And do I feel like I have a say where the agency goes, right? Those are the two things that will keep me in my position. And that's held true for 10 years. And having smart people around me and trying to surround yourself with people, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. That's one of my beliefs. And that has allowed me to not really feel like I have to lead in a way that is dictating. It is more showing, coaching helping them understand and think through what the client needs and be marketers first versus practitioners. And one of the unique things about Camelot and why I say that, you know, there's a pretty flat structure. And I say this because about 75% of our team have been leaders at either client side or publisher side. We like to say that we're an agency of non-agency people. So it's not easy to emulate if you're another agency because our model is just a little bit different from that perspective. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that growing and feeling like you're learning is like one of the most satisfying parts of work and definitely like a big reason why I stayed in certain jobs or left certain jobs. So what's something that you've learned over the last year that has been new or informative for you? I think it's just some of the principles we have as an agency and you try to take on for yourself is to be curious 
and to always be learning because the business we're in by nature is ever changing. And if you're not looking to where the puck is going versus where it's been, you know, it, you can get caught with your pants down. So it, this is more of the iterative process. It's just different things, different tactics, different strategies. I think one of the things we're leaning into right now, the CTV space and the things you can do there and just the shifting of consumption leading to streaming and understanding the cross-channel paths people take to your KPIs and what you're trying to achieve. And say from a perspective of what's new, it is more the constant evolution, right? And staying on top of that and understanding what it is that is going to help drive the results for your client. We've always espoused that winning in marketing requires first best only propositions, right? And we relate that to our media and how can we more specifically help our clients like harness the changing media landscape to drive the business outcome. For example, with Experian. Like we were the first agency that worked directly with Mr. Beast, which is basically a large creator, right? And you look at what that, what does that mean from a media perspective? What does that, how does that equate to what we're typically used to doing? I mean, if you look at what it drove from an impressions and traffic and whatnot perspective, it equaled an NFL playoff game from a perspective of that, right? At a cost that's comparable or less than, right? Getting that same spot. And also, where's that audience that you want actually going? So those are things that we've had to try and test and learn against that are a little bit different, right? The influencer world and where we're going there and how that equates to how do we do it for a smaller business? How do we do it for a larger business? On the CTV front, how that equates to national versus local tactics. And there's a lot of evolution there and it just trickles down into how different people in the agency have to think, right? So our local market specialists versus our programmatic folks versus the folks who coordinate our larger TV buys and all working together to develop the best plan. That's an evolving process now because of how the media landscape has changed. Yeah. And it's always complex to try and manage the traditional and the digital and the local and the national and get all of that to harmonize and work together. Yeah. I think you know, the way that you guys are thinking about things, you know, this Mr. Beast example, I would say that to me, that sounds like a lot of creativity in media and saying, if we're trying to reach these people and get them to understand us, maybe let's go outside of some of the traditional ways or let's explore some new format. So as you're talking to customers and trying to sell something like Mr. Beast that's new and that's different, is there anything that you've learned or that would be interesting or worthwhile to share about how you've been able to push some of these more creative initiatives? Some of that's trust. It is built in the data. And I think if you could provide data that will help them defend it. Because I think at the end of the day, your clients, they report to somebody else. So the CMO is talking to the CEO, that VP of marketing is talking to that CMO, and they have to be able to defend their plan. You have to make it defendable, right? For one. And two, you have to have that mantra of when you're going into new things, there's going to be some courage involved in it. Because, you know, what is the fortune favors the bold. And again, this is easier to do with folks that have a little more budget to something like Mr. Beast. That's a big investment, right? But you're young and an upcomer, you have to be nimble and you are an upstart trying to take share. You have to find creative ways to do it, right? Because you're not going to be able to outspend the number one if you're the number five, right? It's just it's not feasible. So you have to be creative and it can't just come down to my planning tools are telling me this and this, right? I can't afford that maybe. So you have to find ways to get those objectives and find impactful mediums, right? Because I think there's times where you know, I could drive impressions all day, but are they impactful? Are they really incrementally driving 
that intent. And the trust has to be there with your client. They have to believe in you. You have to come at it from a perspective of data and be able to help them defend it if things go sideways. Yeah. All those things resonate with me. And the way that you're talking about $10 million needs to act and behave like 20 million is how I say, but that's like the quintessential mid-market, right? You're working with the challenger brand or someone that's regionalized. There's a lot more strategy about how do we do the things that are most impactful of all the things that we could do. What's the smaller circle of should. We connected maybe four or five months ago and you had talked about that at the end of 2022, like the back half, you were working on some of the brand positioning for Camelot and how you guys are positioning yourselves in the market. You want to talk a little bit about what you've done and how you differentiate Camelot? I think first off, and it is similar, it's eating your own dog food from a perspective of understanding the environment, you know, who the other the competitors are at play. What are your customers saying about you? Who do you believe you are? What do you believe in? And encapsulating that stuff to understand, drive home some of those differences. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening don't know who Camelot is, right? We've been a referral-based business for the longest time. And that's referrals from either clients who move from place to place or word of mouth, publishers, et cetera. As we've grown, had to be a little more thoughtful on how we position ourselves. And in Camelot, it's from the outset, it's interesting. We're 40 years old this year. This is our 40, 40th anniversary. So it's a big year for Camelot. And we have 160 employees. Two thirds of them are based in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and the rest are spread across 19 states. We manage about just under a billion dollars in media, 75% of that digital, 25% of that traditional. And that has been pivoting over time, right? It is what's 50 50 not that long ago. And before that, you know, it was majority traditional. We focus on large, complex advertisers and we try to have that partner mindset. I remember being in and meeting it into it. And one of the leaders there said, I'm going to walk into a room and not know who my agency is versus my own people. And we try to live that as we, we go. And as I mentioned earlier, 75% of our folks have been in the client's shoes, been responsible for PL. It gives us a different empathy. That, that other clients, other agencies might not have. Because you think about most of the agency structures and how they throw bodies at it and how they show value. It's bodies, it's time, it's hours. And for us, it's not that. It is our thinking. And it is the type of experience that we bring to the table from a marketing perspective, from a MarTech perspective, and understanding the macro, which, you know, if you have 20 people on an account, an XYZ agency, but odds are a majority of them are going to have less than five years experience. And a lot of them are going to be operators that you might not even get to talk to. And for us, we, we try to create a unique kind of place, workplace that we have people to stick around. Our attrition rate compared to the industry benchmark of 35% is single digit. And, and by design, we're integrated, nimble, and clients have direct access to our leadership and the media discipline experts, right? So there's no gaps in that. Oh, let me go talk to so-and-so. Let me go talk to so-and-so. We get those people and we feel confident that they can speak to our clients directly and hear from the horse's mouth of what they're trying to achieve, right? Versus being watered down through emails or through different briefs. And we, I like to say we're one foot in, one foot out, right? Not all the way into the client where we get tunnel vision, right? But we understand that fit enough and are able to bring in that outside perspective as well to what they're trying to achieve. That's really helpful. And it sounds like you guys are very conscientious and thoughtful about how you structure the business, about how you approach things, which candidly is not how everybody approaches it to your point. Like it's not just bodies and hours and throwing tons of junior staff to, to go execute. It's about having that communication with the clients and making them feel comfortable and confident 
And the times that I worked on accounts where we could connect the practitioners directly with the client and answer questions. And like that inspired a lot of confidence and a lot of trust, which you've also explained are a big part of how you guys operate. Yeah. And, and also the first best only kind of mindset. We try to develop like your, your agency mantra. Yeah. Let's say it's one of them. It's one of them. And it's because you want to be able to shape, you know, our, such an evolving landscape. And being in my position, you get a lot of publishers coming at you going, hey, try us because of this, try us because of that. And at the end of the day, we have objectives and we want to be able to help shape these new products and emerging things as they go. And I think one of the unique things about Camelot is we have a seat at the table to influence the future, right? We're on the innovation council for Netflix. We're on the Roku's advertising council. We're on Google's agency council. Right, IAB's video board, being able to give our clients first look at things and help them be first movers in certain places. Using the Mr. Beast example, we're the first agency that has been a certified managed service agency for Roku, right? We're the first agency in with paperwork on Netflix's ad supported tier. Those types of things and having clients who are willing to test those new things has been, I think that's part of the thing is finding the right clients. The right clients in the mix of you can't just take anything because they're going to pay you. It has to be the right fit because the cost of onboarding and ensuring that you have personnel stacked against a client, they're just going to be gone in a year and they're going to churn you out, is not a recipe for success. We've been with a lot of our clients for many years. It's uh, TurboTax, I think we're over a decade with TurboTax. Michael's multiple years, Experian going on a decade. So it's been one of the things that we talked about in our attrition rate from a perspective of our employees. It's the same thing we try to take heart with our clients. Certain things are out of your control. You're not always going to be able to control things. There's changes in leadership that you have to deal with and navigate. There's the macro conditions like that that are happening with us. We've had COVID recently. We've had all types of things that are impacting how marketing results are interpreted, right? That we've had to navigate here recently that I think we've done a good job at, but it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Well, let's use this as a segue to talk about some of the things that have changed. The economy has been crap for three years. It's weird to think that like it was almost three years ago to the date that everybody like evacuated the office and started working from home. And even just in the last year, 12 months ago, the broader economy started like getting on the rocks. How have your clients' priorities changed over time and what are their priorities for 2023? It's interesting that regardless of the economic environment, they still want growth. And at the end of the day, some of it is expectation setting and laying out your understanding of the macro environment. So I've had many, a Q4 plan comes up and we got to state what we're trying to do for the client. One of the first things we put in there is what are the headwinds? What are the things that we're working against that could impact this plan and account for them? And I think as long as you have a good communication line around understanding of the macro environment so you can speak to them and understand them. There's, you look at, but a lot of the weekly weekly or monthly things you have with a client, you want to understand the business in whole. It's easy to jump right into, let's talk about what we did. Here's our results for our media. You better serve to understand where they're right. And then what you could talk to about the media will more reflect and tell, help tell the story for them around what impact the media may have against what they're seeing from a business results perspective. And I think as long as you have that partner mentality and defend against, and I see this with multiple clients over the years, each channel or discipline at a or client's organization wants to point their finger at another. And marketing always seems to get, and media get a lot of the blame if it doesn't 
go well. So one of the first things that people look at, right? It's like biggest budget, so it's got the biggest scrutiny. Everyone's right. Like, yeah, fire the head coach. It's just this that type of mentality. Get a new quarterback. It, instead of really solving some underlying problems, and that, I think that's our job as an agency is to help understand the underlying problems and hurdles and obstacles to achieving success. And you do your best to do that. It doesn't always work. It just depends on the personalities there. You could have a great team and your point of contact at the client. They get it. I get it. But then their boss is just not having it because his ass is online to the number that they said to the street. And somebody politically is going to take the fall if it doesn't work. And it, it might be somebody in that marketing department and that could trickle down. But you just have to be diligent and understand it and understand where the the blinking lights are. Like it's like you're driving the car and you see the light come on and okay, you know, what is that? How do we diagnose that? And you have to understand your client's business enough to understand that and not just look at your own KPIs, that channel's KPIs. Because I've been in scenarios where I've heard it from the top. The media is not the problem. Don't worry, media is not the problem. But then you still get axed because of some other political thing because they're not hitting their numbers, even though, hey, you might be driving more traffic, but the bounce rate is still there, but they're not getting conversions for some other reason that they've decided on pricing or the product lineup that they put on the landing page. The things that are out of your control is a media agency that you have to be able to understand and talk through, right? And again, it comes down to being able to defend what you're doing, right? If you have a thoughtful plan and thoughtful communication and a true understanding of what your client is trying to achieve, that's the best all you can do is put your best foot forward in that and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. And what's interesting is you have so perfectly described what your role needs to do. You have to balance the internal team and their focus on a CPC or a CTR or a CPA and then manage the client and what they're really needing and how how your plan and how the work can ladder up. And to your point, give them the ammo that they need to be able to defend themselves. Has the tough macro environment and this expectation setting, has that changed how Camelot works internally? And if so, like how has that changed? Has that been maybe like coaching to the team members, changing some processes? I think more of the change in Camelot has been growth. Things I talked about earlier around the type of people we hire. As you scale, it's harder to emulate that all the way. Like that 75% might not be 75% in two years because we've grown. And also our channel mix has changed. The type of operators we need have changed. And so it has been less about what the outside influences have done outside of having marketers first. Right, having people that understand concepts around marketing and understanding, it's almost like you got to be this mix of an economist and marketer, right, and a media practitioner to really succeed and evolve to a place where you're not a commodity as an agency of just somebody who does it for a more efficient agency rate, right, than, than another agency. So it's been more about us evolving with our growth and putting the processes in place that we need to keep our identity and what we do well and scale it. I like that. I think that could apply for an agency, but also any marketer's career has got to be a little economist, little bit of a marketer, understand marketing concepts, but then also have the media hands on keyboard chops in there too. Yep. Yep. I come from, and this just goes back. I'm an old operator. I was a search guy back in the day. And that came from my love of baseball as a kid where I love the stats. I love going in every morning and looking at dating myself, going into the newspaper and looking at the stats and looking at over, over time, how that influences what your team's record is. And to me, early days of digital marketing was that. It's, I was playing a video game and every day I got to wake up and try and get a new hype, right? And that, I think you have to have a bit of that mentality and that little competitiveness for one, 
The other is that, that thought process of optimization and evolving things and thinking about ways to win and as granular as you can get as possible while still staying strategic is a balancing act, right? Because the further I get away from the nitty gritty of all the tactics and what makes them work, the harder it is to tell the story and understand how take that strategy and make it reality. So it is an interesting thing of evolving. I always like to say it's easier for me to teach a search person how to evolve in this current landscape than it is to take a high-level brand marketer and teach them where it's going because there's so many moving parts and optimization that happens now that you have to be able to handle with the fragmentation that's out there. And the more of the little pieces that you do not understand, if it's, okay, we have our TV is 70%, right? And our digital is 30%. And that digital, this much is search and then this much is Facebook, right? Then that changes. Then because now it's Facebook and Instagram and Snap. And that's Facebook and Instagram and Snap and TikTok. And now it's, of course, to get the, now we're going to take that broadcast and turn some of it into OD. You have all these parts and all these things that are changing and moving. And if you don't stay educated on them, you don't understand what makes each of those things work. You know, your value in my position starts to dissipate a bit, right? Can't speak to, hey, what are the solutions? If this is not working, what do we do? Then it becomes committed, right? I have to go ask every single person, how do we make the results better? And everybody, all those people have their own vested interest in their channel and what they do. But the best thing the client might be not to be in this channel, right? To ship from here or there. So how do you or how does Camelot figure that out, right? You got these siloed data, you got the individual practitioners, but the client needs a holistic, well-orchestrated strategy. So how do you guys do that? That's a challenge, right? I think that is where you have to have the good communication and you have to have the right people in place that can communicate, that understand what the client is trying to achieve so they can help you tell the story. Because at the end of the day, it was just each channel going through their KPI. That my click-through rate was this, or my view rate was this, or I delivered this, this amount of impressions against a projected amount that I expected. It's not really telling a story of what's driving the results. So it is... It's my job is, is to help guide the story and help them understand what I'm trying to say. Okay. If, you know, it's the holidays and Black Friday is coming up, I have to think about that in the plan. As the plan is happening, I'm already thinking through what am I going to say if it goes this way or if it goes that way. So I, you're thinking about what the end result is as you're planning it. So it's a, it's a process that even starts in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like the, you're laying the foundation from the planning stages to be able to tell the story at the end. And that outcome-based planning, making sure that, that these parts and pieces should land us here. And if they don't, how to readjust. So often I'm loving everything that you're saying because as an agency guy, these are the conversations I had with my customers and the way that we were thinking. I want to share an insight that I had during my agency days, which has translated into mid measure, which is that when you're looking across all these different channels, sometimes a user's only going to see an ad in one channel. Sometimes you're going to see ads in two places, sometimes in five places. And when I was working with my clients, I realized that in order to really prove out the value of a specific channel like Facebook, I needed to say how often or how many incremental results were coming from a platform like Facebook and how often Facebook was part of a media mix. And when it's part of a media mix, how does Facebook lift the conversion rate? And so this split of it's either going to be a channel is going to reach some users that are incremental and it's going to reach some users in a media mix really became the basis for how we started to think about and talk to data about to customers and that's become core to like how we analyze data at mint measure. And so that just has really helped me to wrap my head around, okay, 
I have all these parts and pieces. They're going to add to the results in these two different ways. And when I understand that, then it becomes easier to know which parts to heavy up on or to lower or to how to a channel for the job that it's doing best. Yeah. One of the interesting things as we try to understand it, because you know, the question is always, okay, if I have another dollar, where do I spend it to drive an incremental dollar? And getting buy-in from a client's analytics, I think is one of the key elements. And because I think we've all seen this where, okay, Facebook does a lift study for you, but they're grading their own homework. So everybody's a little skeptical because how often have you seen a Google lift study tell you that it didn't lift? Not too often. Always Getting, incremental, always positive right. results up into the right. right. I think that's where the partnership comes through and having, I like to think that the more you have tentacles through your client's organization who understand the value that you bring as an agency and that you have conversations with from their point of view, right? So the higher up in the food chain of a client's business analytics side, I can get the better because I need to show that value. I need their help in them being able to say, hey, I want to be able to show this. What would make you believe that? Would this kind of incremental study do it? Would this do it? What do you use now? What do you think the holes in it are in it? Because I think we all know there's no one perfect solution. If there was, that of course, it would be like the duopoly, right? Sure. One, one company would have all the business and then there'd be just a little bit of fragments of, of that. There was a true solution that we knew worked for sure, right? So you're having to piece these things together, but at the end of the day, you need buy-in. You need the clients, leadership, and the people that are responsible for analytics on their side to buy into this. And that's a tricky. We've gone through, I think part of probably why Measure has been able to grow and do what they do is because everybody wants to get off the last click crack, right? Of, okay, we've lived it this long. This is what we can measure, but yet we're stagnating. We know in our heart of hearts, we know the customer journey. I know anecdotally that I see a TV ad, it might be two days later when the need comes up and I go, oh yeah, I saw that ad for blah, blah, and I searched for it. And then that contributed. But it's really, it's a difficult, disciplined effort to piece that together. And it's an investment. That's the other part that's hard about it. It's like the balance of how much do you spend of your media budget on non-media? And there's such, this is stacked. And it's one of the hard things. And one of the things I think at Camelot we try to do is be as transparent as possible to get as much of that that media working for them, but yet still delivering all the things you need to deliver, right? From a measurement perspective, from a tracking perspective, to help tell the story, deliver the reporting they need, et cetera. So that's a tricky thing, right? Because if they don't have it in place and you go into there saying, okay, I know you have this much money, but if you're going to measure it by this weight, we're not going to help you grow. If, we do, if we're judged by this, it's going to be, if we're judged by last click, then it's going to be a lot of retargeting, a lot of search, and you're not going to find one new customer. It's just not going to happen. If you do these things, it not only does it take a leap of faith, it takes this other investment into something you haven't done before. And on top of that, you probably have to take some of those dollars and invest it in this other measurement solution, whether it's, okay, now you got to do better about how you track in DCM, or if it's a true getting another platform, a measurement platform as a whole, right? So it's, it's, it's funny because there's a lot of salesmanship to it that you have to be able to sell the idea and the concepts. Yeah. With things being tough the last year, macro environment, have you seen more or less willingness from clients to explore like measurement and accountability, or are they stepping back and being like, you know what, let's look at the blended ROAS. Let's look at the total business. Yeah. Which kind of direction have clients gone? I think it's building results first. So I think it starts with, they ask less questions when it's going well. They ask <laughs> a lot more questions. True. When it's not going well, 
So when it's not going well, you have to have all that info, right? But then you have, and it's this, this chicken egg thing, right? Okay. When it was going well, you wanted to lean more into it. You, you didn't invest in some of the things that would help you for when it went bad, right? So you can have the leverage you to make those changes. It, for us, it's one of the first things we do is try to lay the groundwork and the piping to tie those results to, to the cash register. And I'll take an example we did for a retailer. They have a, a trickier, it's more in-store in store purchase. It typically isn't that. So how do you tie that back to back to your media? Taking that piping and going, okay, when somebody gets a delivery, there's an email address and there's a phone number, right? And there's different things I could tie back. So how do I tie that back and lay the piping to go, okay, what did they see? How do I take that and tie it back to the actual media, right? And putting that in place, if possible, before you invest any dollars, Right. So you have as close to the accurate scorecard, which is the cash register, than just, okay, what is my, what is DoubleClick telling me, right? What is the platform telling me? If you have that type of stuff in place, leadership that your client buys into it, then you have a lot more chances of success to, to prove out things are working or if they're not. I think it's always easier when things are going well and you can have all the day in the world and clients like, yeah, no, we're above our ROAS targets. We're good. And then ironically, sometimes the clients who are unwilling to invest in the right infrastructure or technologies or data sources to be able to do well, and then their campaign struggles. So I feel that pain spiritually. Yeah. And it's patience too. It's having the patience. If you worked with Google and any of their ad products that are algorithmically driven, they tell you like, okay, just try not to touch it for this long. Let the machine learn. But you know, a lot of clients are in a day-to-day position when it comes to the pressures they feel. Right. If things go south, their leadership expects them to do something about it. What are we doing about it? Sometimes the best course is not to do anything just yet and have a trend before an overreaction. And I think a part of our job is to know when to push back on that. Okay. And to know, okay, this is, we're in a good spot. We're going to get where we want to be if we stay this course versus, okay, I feel you. I understand we have, you have to make changes because the business is doing, because of this macro thing or there's something else in your business that is impacting, could impact the results that necessitate a change. But understanding that stuff and understanding your client's business well enough to have that kind of discussion, I think is important. Alfred, you've mentioned a couple of times the importance of learning, staying ahead of the curve on how fast the media landscape is always changing. Where are the places you go? What are your top sources? Well, I think I'm like most folks is you, know, you have your mainstays, of your industry things, but it's evolving now because you think about things like AI, right? And there's places that you would go for that are not necessarily the places that have always been the tried and true places that you might learn and discover what's going on. You might not necessarily to understand what are the best use cases for AI and agency, go to ad exchanger, for example, which might have a lot of the evolving developments that are happening. I think most of them are trying to stay abreast of the news and understand what's going on. I think you have to have a kind of a diverse set of inputs, right? And you have to, some of it's more time. Because I think if, if you are spending the time and you make the time for that discovery, that learning, and that we like to call it sort of the leadership training we've done in our agency, is you know, to change again is windows, windows of focus time, right? For whatever it may be that you want to achieve. If learning is one of those things, you have to make time for it. And it's easy to get lost in the day-to-day 
Ben, in, in your windows, if you're curious and you want to stay ahead, you really deliver the value and live that consultative relationship with your clients. You have to stay educated and you have to dedicate the time to it. I think it's less just about the sources than more about the time, because with the time, you will find the right sources. Yeah. I think like maybe 20 to 25% of leadership's time should probably be spent trying to learn the ecosystem keep up to date on tech and best practices and things that are emerging. Does Camelot have a practice of sending people to conferences and trade shows and things like that? Yeah. I just got back from Live Ramp Ramp Up a couple of weeks back and we sent a couple other folks there. We had multiple people down South by Southwest just this last week. We heading to Adobe Summit next week. I mean, not only was networking too, but it's a people business, right? I think staying in touch in education and investing in that is important and it keeps telling me. You go back to just evolving landscape, being at ramp up, they had for live ramp in the integrations. I remember just, it doesn't feel that long ago where there's only a handful of places that would take live ramp data, take your, your first party data, give it to live ramp and then live ramp can get it to certain places to be able to execute against it. And now the slide that their CEO showed at ramp up was like, it looked like a giant Lumascape with all the integrations and all that type of stuff. Right. And. The more you can be in those environments where what's ha happening to get the, get you thinking about how that can benefit your clients faster, right? One of the things that, and it ties together from the season right now is, all right, there's a new Adobe integration with LiveRamp, right? All right, Adobe Summits. So the leaders of our MarTech side of the business, we want them involved in that, understanding what's happening getting this news first, getting from a perspective of let us sit in the room with them, our clients and these partners and talk about how we deliver solutions that really benefit them, right? It is our job to take that news and be able to communicate how it impacts the client, right? And that requires us to invest in education and ensure that our folks are thinking through that learning side of it. And that's part of how you are measured as an employee is, are you evolving? Are you learning is an important element of how we look at things. Yeah. That's great. That's part of your culture. And you guys have like more formalized way of measuring that. I feel like we have to talk about AI. Like it's the hot thing. Everybody's panicking. GPT-4 just came out. My, I use Microsoft Edge as my browser and it just updated overnight and I now have GPT, like there's a little icon there. Let's make stuff up. Like when you think into the future, two years, five years, like what do you see as the role of AI in advertising, whether that's in media or something like creative? Well, how I think about it right now, uh, the first thing I think through is an evolving thing of how we've always thought around how do we use the tools available to us to let us make that we spend a lot of time on that keep us from the thinking that is needed and spending time on solving the problems for the client. Because at the end of the day, that's what we are paid for. The value comes out and we have this nice 20 slide thing that says all our thoughts and how we're going to help you succeed. And we spent the time on that versus, okay, I'm spend time. We had that meeting. I need to send the follow-ups and I need to do this and that. So there's little selfish things like I hate doing that. Like I hate having to go, oh yeah, I can take those notes and send a follow-up. Now, having AI do that, being able to go, okay, here's the transcript. Here's the follow-ups and move up. That's 15 minutes, 20 minutes that I saved that I could use for every phone strategy. Yeah. And I think the people that understand how to use the tool are the ones that are going to win. And those tools are evolving. Then you have to test them and learn and understand where it's going, 
have the meetings with all the people that are having it's like any other new thing that comes out there like when dsps all of a sudden there were like 30 dsps right and you probably met with all of them and what are the nuanced little differences between them where do you spend your time and where do you double down I think we're going through that kind of discovery now with AI is, okay, where do I incrementally spend versus what I can get for free or right now versus what's going to cost, right? Because you don't want to have those dependencies. Okay. I go to chat. Like I'm one of the people that actually got tired of sitting and going, oh, chat GBT is the capacity. So I paid my 20 bucks so I could have it anytime I want it, right? That's what I needed it. Okay. If I'm thinking about something and I want a little help jumpstarting me, I just type that thing in. Right, see what it says. Great, and I evolved it. But that's how do you build that in your processes? I think we're early days in that. We look at it from a search perspective. Like, how does it help us with builds? How does it help us do that? And I think understand right now. So look about okay, how do you understand the props to best get the output that you want? There's this garbage in, garbage out function yeah. a lot, like data and finance, where. I'm finding as I'm trying to play with this, it's almost like learning another language or understanding how to get a virtual assistant, someone who, you know, is not an English first language speaker, giving them instructions on how to do a specific task. It's the same thing with the AI. So you have to get really specific on don't do this, but do this because you can't just give it broad requests in the prompts or you're going to get something really general. That's not very helpful. Yeah. And it's almost, I don't know if you guys are golfers, but it's like the evolution of golf equipment. Right. 20 years ago, the best driver might help a professional hit at 280 on average. Now they're above 300 because the evolution in the technology, right? And it's just taking your tool sets and be able to optimize yourself and your output based upon what you have available to you. And that is another thing that we just have to take into account that your competitor set has availability to these things too, right? So you have to take it seriously enough to understand it to see where it makes sense for your business and implement it where you, where it can help you win. Yeah. It sounds like the value of strategic functions and thinking you're saying over the next years are going to become more important and more of the like button pushing kind of things yeah. are going to become well, less valuable. But you think about it this way, Google's already trying to push a lot of practitioners out. You look back just 10 years ago and how you build a search campaign. Right. I'm going to make it as granular as possible so I can have all these levers. And now they're like, you know what? Just put it in the one. Tell me what you're trying to achieve. And we got it. So what, where does that leave you from a value as an agency? Right. So you have to have more than being just a practitioner and being able to push buttons and pull levers to really succeed out there. Winners are going to be the folks that know how to use the tools in front of them, that understand that. When we look at where we're heading from an agency and we're spending our time, it is thinking through that. What is the future? What, where are people going to spend their time? What are they going to do? How do I best use my time to deliver? You got to have those tool sets to do it. Yeah. So how much do you think advertising, let's talk media buying specifically, gets automated away by AI? Because DSPs have good ML and those can run pretty well by themselves. Facebook and Google are both making pushes towards Pmax and Advantage Plus. Uh, do you see a world in which like media buying is completely autonomous and the role of humans is like only the thinking? I think that envelope will be pushed as much as it can, but it's, it's still a ways off. We still have that fragmentation and you have different things conspiring against that. Um, okay. You think about Google, right? Google, one reason why they're able to do these things is say, Hey, I'm gonna use machine learning. And then you can use all our native environments plus our network of, of sites to be able to deliver this output that you want for your client. Okay. At some point right now, we have antitrust 
So what happens if they get broken up, right? Does that still work the same way? Will those pipes that connect all these things be still the same? And I mentioned fragmentation earlier. Fragmentation makes that tough. It's just tougher to do that and build the platforms that have access to all that right now where you could take a holistic view and have machine learning make those decisions for you. But I think we're still a ways off from that. I think that's always where it's going to be looking to stitch that together. But then what happens when somebody stitches together, they change the game, right? As soon as somebody builds a business on it, then somebody comes along and blows it up for some other, another way. But I think AI, machine learning, all those things are going to be more and more important. I don't think they're going to replace wholesale media buyers and media practitioners. I think, again, it's going to be an asset and tool because it was like, you go back to the origins of this when the IBM machine beat the master chess player back in like 1990. That's 1990, right? And now we're just here at 2020. It's really, we're getting closer to that tipping point. So that's a lot of years, talking 30 plus years to get to this point from there. So it is speeding up. It's going to happen faster, but it's only going to have, it's random mentioned this earlier, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out is yeah, how much data do you have to work in? How much do you trust that data? Because even at this point, it is, where are we going to go with regulation on this? How are we going to take certain data points and I know that these are good data versus bad data? Because for it to get to a point where it's just beyond the media numbers and it talks about the human element do we have is it going to be there they drive emotion you think about super bowl commercials for example or usually the things how do people judge it did it make me laugh did it make me feel an emotion it was did it entertain me ai is not close to that yet so it's just building off of current data so it isn't to the point where it can do what a human can do and until that point comes it's a tool set for us to just be better at what we do and be more productive. Well, it sounds like you guys have a really good approach to this and using the tools at your disposal, to your point, people who learn how to use it are going to find success and everybody has access to them. I think that's one of the, like the funnest, but also scariest parts is, oh, my competitor has access to the same exact tool. And if I don't at least do some exploration and see if this is a potential fit, like I could get dusted. Well, hey, Alfred, thanks so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I'm excited for our audience who gets to listen in to someone really smart, talk about the space and kind of your thoughts. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I guess any things you want to leave people with? I'd say keep on learning. And what we do is it's a people business and the more value you can bring, the better. Keep that education going. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, and if you're looking for a better way to prove that your campaigns are working and find the best ways to optimize spend, we invented bimodal attribution so you can see exactly how ad spend turns into results and make more of your campaigns. You can learn more about PMA at mintmeasure.com. See you next time.